Welcome to Transforming Minds, a podcast series for business leaders and marketers looking to challenge the way they think, act, and behave. The podcast is brought to you by the team at Mopass, the brand transformation agency. We strive to transform our clients' businesses through insight, strategic thinking, and astonishing creativity. Our goal is to drive growth in all its forms through genuine partnerships that are both challenging and inspiring. So if you think you're ready to rethink your business approach, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Transforming Minds podcast. I'm your host, Katie Vickery, brand strategist at Mobus, and today I'm joined by someone who knows a thing or two about navigating a turbulent market. He's been working in the financial industry for over 25 years, and he's current chief executive at the Saffron Building Society. Welcome to the podcast, Colin Field. Hiya, Katie. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's lovely to have you. How are you doing today? Not too bad at all. I'm, uh, I've adjusted to lockdown and uh, and a slightly different office environment and being pestered on a regular basis by my son, who's homeschooling <laughs> as well. So it, uh, it's proven to be a bit of a challenge, but working my way through it. Glad to have you on. So thank you much for joining us uh, in, in these difficult times, I suppose. For those of our listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with you or the Saffron Building Society, please can you just tell a bit our listeners a bit about yourself um, and the Saffron? Yeah, of course. Well, uh, Saffron Building Society has been going quite a long time now, about 170 years. Uh, and he's based in Saffron Walden in Essex. And it was set up many, many years ago as probably one of the first peer-to-peer lenders to try and help community projects, helping people have housing and helping people with saving. And basically, we do very similar things now in terms of helping people with their financial health. Uh, oh, but the world is uh, a little bit different than it was back then. It's been around for a very, very long time and it's a f- fantastic society. Obviously, I imagine it's a business that has really been at the coalface in understanding how COVID's uh, affected uh, the economy. And there are fears surrounding the impact of COVID um, and they've already significantly, significantly impacted the global economy. We've seen key markets across the world losing 20 to 50 percent of their year to date value. Many economists and institutions have cut their forecasts and there's a consensus global GDP growth currently at 2.6% for 2020. And uh, we're seeing many experts predicting uh, the potential onset of a sort of recession. As these macroeconomic predictions navigate through the financial sector, how has COVID-19 impacted high street financial services, Colin? Well, uh, as you've mentioned, Katie, there's been a huge impact already. And the uncertainty as well is very difficult to navigate. I think it's also important that we separate the impacts that we're seeing now and it may be the impacts that we'll see over time as well. And if I talk about, first of all, operationally, you know, if we consider the immediate impact on homeowners, for example, where the economic shock has meant that about 15% of all customers in the UK have sought help from their lender with their mortgages. And that's typically through mortgage payment holidays. And that reflects the massive reduction in output. You know, GDP down 20% in April, that's just staggering. And a sharp impact in the money that people just have or haven't got to spend. Now, from a financial services provider, this has meant that they've all had to respond to customers with the current crisis situation. And that that has placed a huge strain on the operations to be able to deal with that. And whilst here I'm talking about mortgage customers, for example, at Saffron Building Society, this situation is being replicated in other unsecured lenders and also in commercial lenders as well. So that's operationally a massive impact. You know, financially as well, you know, we talk about the downturn and the recession. And that's going to translate through to high street financial services as well. You know, recessions generally lead to reduced spending, reduced output, increased unemployment. And that also tends to have a knock on effect on asset prices, whether they be shares or whether they be house prices that we're all familiar with. And in this environment, it's likely we're going to see greater bad debts or impairment being recognised by financial services companies. Now, this recession, probably more than before it, could 
disproportionately affects some industries far more than others. You know, for example, the leisure and hospitality industries and travel industries, you know, they could see a period of disruption going on you know, for quite a considerable period of time as well. But if there is a glimmer of hope in here, I would say that if we, if we think back to the global financial crisis and the recession then, when a lot of lenders actually pulled back on their lending, I don't really think we'll see that situation occurring to the same extent now because of actions taken by regulators and governments following that particular crisis. And that's in the here and now. In the longer term, you know, lockdown itself has changed the way that people have engaged with financial services providers. You know, customers who would never have engaged digitally, they'd have wanted to go into a branch and talk to people face to face now, are getting increasingly familiar with dealing with their providers on the phone or digitally, you know, by phone or computer. And I think that's going to have a profound impact on how people transact going forward as well. But I do think that once we've navigated this crisis, it's really going to help people think about their financial goals uh, and, and also their financial well-being a little bit more. And I really hope that that will mean that Saffron can help more people. Absolutely. And that is that is uh, one of the silver linings uh, off the back of this crisis. And it's really, really interesting to hear you talk about the last recession versus uh, sort of this sort of next recession and how um, different institutions are sort of, uh, you know, acting as sort of uh, systematic stabilisers, etc. That's really interesting. And just to kind of put on that sort of uh, point of banks versus um, building societies, as a membership-led business, has your experience in response to the pandemic been different to non-membership banks and businesses within the sector? I think it's certainly the case, but being membership-owned and led does mean that a building society is better placed to act in the best interest of members and, custom- members and customers. And, and it's easier leading that type of business to do that as well. You know, it's important that society is profitable, but it doesn't face the conflict of trying to balance off member interests with shareholders in the same way that a large, you know, a, a capital bank is, is actually uh, is actually facing. Um, from what I've seen, most retail lenders have responded well to the crisis, and that's probably because it's been supported by very clear direction from the FCA and government. But, but saying that, I think at Saffron, we always strive to ensure that we're acting in the right manner to support our members, and the ownership model certainly helps that, helps us to do that. And for our mortgage customers who've been impacted by the pandemic, you know, we've absolutely looked at the best options that we can provide. And we've assessed actually, in particular, those customers who may be vulnerable as well to think about how we can change the approach that we have for them as well. And I'm really proud in the way that our staff have stepped up to go and do that. I think it also means being membership owned as well, following the bank base rate reduction as a response to coronavirus. You know, whilst we've had to reduce our rates for savings members, you know, we're able to do that in a fair and balanced manner. And certainly in the way that, in the way I put this, it helps us pass that red face test when we talk to members. Absolutely. I think that's that's really interesting and, and lovely to hear that you hear of your pride in the Saffron and, and the way that you've gone, get, gone about um, kind of meeting the needs of your members and supporting them as best you can. We know that, you know, retail banks have that essential uh, role to play in not just supporting customers and employees, but society as well. Are there lessons that you've learned um, that leaders of other businesses could take on board to adapt their response to these sort of challenging times? I think the importance of our role in, in society, we, we call it community at Saffron, has become more of a focus mm. over time. Certainly the time I've been at the society and now we've actually got community as one of our explicit society got strategic goals. That we talk about how we make a sustainable difference to the communities in which we're present. And actually, we have a commun- dedicated community business partner as well, whose passion is to coordinate how we can make more of a difference to our, the lives in our community as well. I suppose the learning is, it's really important. Community and society is really important to our staff and members. And to put that in context, none of our staff will look back with pride and remember the year that the society carried out record lending. It, it just doesn't register in that way. But they do look back at the difference they've made in educating young people to improve their financial health 
or the work that we've done in trying to support vulnerable people or the activities that we've done to support and improve the communities. That really means people for something. And I guess the lesson in there is doing that because it's the right thing to do just makes good business sense as well. Whether recruiting or engaging staff or attracting new customers and members, people expect far more from businesses, in particular in tough times as well as good times. And actually, I think following this crisis, I think people will remember those businesses that excelled in this regard. I think they'll remember probably a little bit more those that haven't. Absolutely. I think that's a really, really interesting point. And um, it's really, again, really, really lovely to hear the way that um, the Saffron are, are adapting and supporting uh, members and, and that community piece. We know that's very, very important to you. Building societies are typically built on three pillars um, to serve members, to help society and to, remon to respond to financial difficulties. Looking at the short to medium term, do you think the pandemic will have a knock on effect on the weighting of each of these focuses for the building society market as a whole? Building societies were founded on the basis of improving the conditions for their communities. And it's, it's probably too early to know the medium to long-term societal impact of the pandemic, but this may be significant. You know, already we're seeing that you know, people are starting to value different careers as being more valuable, for example, people in care services. And I think that if there's a positive that comes out of the coronavirus, it will pull people together and they'll think that community and they'll appreciate community as being more importantly than maybe they did previously as well. And that's somewhere where I think, you know, being part of a building society, we can, we can play a big part as well. Absolutely. And it's, it's lovely to hear that um, the optimism that comes through from uh, from the things that you're saying. And, you know, I think it's been a it's been a really difficult time for businesses and people alike, you know, people trying to, you know, meet, uh, make ends meet, pay their mortgage. And it's, you know, it's really it's really refreshing to kind of take a step back and have a look at how how things are being affected, but also what we can learn. So so just to finish then, Colin. Reflecting on your experience as a leader, what do you think this pandemic has taught you about leadership in terms of, you know, what lessons will you continue to put into practice and what advice do you have for business leaders at similar sized businesses to learn to learn and grow for the future? Yeah, well, lots of articles and books have been written about leadership. I, I try and think about it quite simply. It's about understanding and communicating where you were placed as a business and when you where you need to go, where you need to take that business. And then the second challenge is creating the conditions where your people can be at their most effective. It's helping them to deliver. And I think the pandemic has reminded me that, you know, where we are, the current situation, it can change so quickly. And also the various aspects of where you thought you were going to can also change very, very quickly or certainly become more uncertain. So in, in terms of learning, what have I learned? It's, I guess it's reinforced that having a discipline of risk assessment and scenario planning is really critical for any business. Now, we didn't have a plan for pandemic. Well, we'll have one now, obviously, going forward, because we've gone through this. But the planning that we did do meant that our staff were able to respond and make decisions really quickly because they were practised in doing so. I think the other piece is there as well. It's just really open and honest communication. You know, during terms of uncertainty, what you have to do is communicate directly and honestly to maintain trust and create as much certainty for people as you possibly can do. And that's something that we've been doing through the pandemic, having weekly staff calls, having Q&As and just, just responding to the feedback that people are giving us. And the third learning in there as well is, you know, in a crisis, you have to, be, have to be ready to suspend some of the normal decision-making processes and policies you have in place because you need people to focus on problems that are abnormal and that need to be fixed now and need to be fixed quickly. You know, for example, to help our customers be very flexible in terms of product conditions and policy. I, I, th I think taking that and applying it broadly in terms of, you know, if I was giving advice to somebody else in terms of dealing through this kind of pandemic from my own experiences, it's 
it's probably three things, isn't it? It's focus on the issues and the key things that you have to address because with things moving so quickly, you're never going to get everything right and you can't do everything. And the second thing is recognise that decisions have to be taken, even given uncertainty. It's about creating that certainty for people as much as you can do. And then probably the most important thing is it's the leader maintaining positivity. You know, much is made of the importance of strategic thinking and leadership as being the key attribute of a leader, which it is incredibly important. But I really think that resilience is a characteristic that is much underrated when people talk about leadership. And it's one that is critical in terms of managing yourself, but also helping to lead your business as well. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's, that's some fantastic advice. And I hope our listeners really sort of take that on board. Um, just, just to sort of uh, summarise then, I think, I think what's going to be really fantastically uh, interesting for people studying you know, economics degrees up and down the country over the next sort of decade, I imagine this is going to be something that's discussed. But I imagine it's also going to be something that's discussed, as you sort of touched upon, in terms of you know, managing people, uh, leadership, um, HR, it's the ways that people work, future of work. So I think it's touched on um, many different as- aspects of business. And it's been really, really fascinating listening to you talk about, you know, your building society and uh, how that your particular industry has been affected, but also the people that you've got working uh, within the business. So thank you so much, Colin. It's been really, really interesting speaking to you. Thank you for your time um, and stay safe and uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you, Katie. You too. And it's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Transforming Minds podcast from Mobas, the brand transformation agency. Whether your business goal is to expand, modernize, become more profitable, attract talent, investment, or simply to accelerate your business growth, the Mobas team will unlock the value within your firm and harness it to drive growth and success. Visit mobas.com for further advice and insights and to discover more about the Mobas approach. The podcast was hosted by brand strategist Katie Vickery with music from Joseph McDade. Thank you for listening.